See, I, I really um, just appreciated uh, in, that, in that last song that we were singing, Phil just uh, changed those words and took us from I to we. Um, and it, it's so important for us to continually uh, hold before us the truth that we are, or at least we're meant to be, uh, a a, a body, unity of believers. And um, I think in the culture in which we live, that, that's a real challenge. Um, I, I'm wrestling, I think, quite a lot at the moment with how, do, how can we be more, in one sense, the body of Christ? How can we be closer knit together? And, and, and what does it look like um, when a, a church is moving <clears throat> in, in that. How does she do it? And I think, it's, I think it's a challenge for us. I've been reading a book which, um, um, in some ways, I wish I'd not read. <laughs> I, I think this... Yeah, don't give it to you. I'm, I'm buying you a copy for Christmas. I might buy you two. LAUGHTER this is a book called The Irresistible Revolution. It's by a guy called Shane Claiborne. It's just deeply challenging um, because he really challenges all the perhaps preconceptions we have um, of, of church life. And uh, it's, um, you know, it's, it, it's tough because things which you thought were solid ground, <laughs> it's suddenly you think, why do we do that? Why do I, you know, and uh, anyway, I just, <clears throat> I want to read a quote from, from here, just, just as a means of starting this morning, and getting you thinking about your life and what you're currently doing, where you're at. Uh, he says this, I had a college professor who said, all around you, people will be tiptoeing through life, just to arrive at death safely. challenge, isn't it? Right there. Okay. But dear children, do not tiptoe. Run, hop, skip, or dance. Just don't tiptoe. And I I think about that, and I think, am I just tiptoeing through life? Just trying to tread ever so carefully to make it safely to death? Or is it that I'm actually prepared to risk all and, and uh, you know, and just uh, to take those chances in life. Take, take life, as it were, by the scruff of the neck. Rather than, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like life happens to me. <laughs> you know, I get to the end of my day or the end of my week and I think, well, you know, it just sort of happened. Rather than sometimes just getting more creative and more proactive uh, with life. It's a challenge. I think what I want to say is, therefore, don't settle for safe. You know, just don't, don't, don't settle for normal and for safe. The world squeezes us into its mold so easily, and actually we can settle for what becomes a very safe, middle-class, dare I say, Christianity. Okay? 
And this is a great church. I, I don't want you to feel like, uh, you know, somehow uh, that, that this is that we failed or something. But I just, uh, sometimes we need a strong challenge. I've, I've been praying a lot about the kingdom. I believe God um, in these days is wanting uh, a people that uh, are caught up with kingdom and kingdom purposes. Now, the kingdom of God actually pervades everything. In, in faith and in, in, in the Christian life. The kingdom is everything. Every aspect of Christianity, in effect, finds an expression in kingdom. And, uh, but I want to say this. Kingdom is expressed through community. I believe that Christianity is meant to be expressed. You see, we is important because actually Christianity can only be truly, properly expressed through a community. A community of people that love one another deeply and care for one another passionately. That know one another intimately. The problem with middle class Christianity is that we can turn up on a Sunday morning and we can even turn up to our house group, God forbid that we should be that dedicated, but we can turn up to these things and we can do them, okay, and we can, we can easily have a very shallow experience of Christianity and do, do community at a very surface level, okay? You know, I, I don't know about you, I don't want to sort of kind of load us down with some kind of guilt, but what I want to do is sort of say, my heart yearns for a deeper connection with my brothers and sisters in Christ than that. Because my heart yearns for God, and I believe the two things are linked. And we're going <clears throat> to turn in a moment to, uh, um, uh, to a scripture, we're going to turn to 1 John chapter 1, so you can... Just start to look it up in your Bible. Whilst you're doing that, I want to tell you a story. This is about, I'm going to call his name John. Okay, because, you know, most of, you, most of the people here probably wouldn't know this chap anyway. But just, just to be on the safe side. John uh, is a Christian. And uh, he happens to be uh, in, uh, in my church. Now, recently... We went away on a church weekend away, and uh, this is a bright idea. We did one last year. I thought, because part of me is so wanting uh, this closer connection and this, this unity, this community. And so I was like, we're going to do a weekend away. So um, we did one last year. It was a great success. This year we had even more people. Thought, this is fantastic. So we booked... Um, and decided to go away. And the, the place that we went to is near Shaftesbury. In fact, um, Clifford knows it well because he helped build the place or rebuild the place. And um, we, we turn, we basically, to, in, in order to get down there, obviously, it's a couple of hours' drive. Now, John doesn't drive. John is quite a, he's, he's got issues. <laughs> okay? Is there these people that's got issues? And somebody else in the church thought it would be a great idea if John could come with us. I said amen to that. The only problem was that particular person who thought it would be a great idea for him to come with us wasn't themselves coming. <laughs> How convenient. 
I think they were thinking, well, if he's not here and he's with you, then he's not with me. Because <laughs> there are people in church life like that. So then I thought, well, who can John go with? How can I get John down to Shaftesbury? Oh, dear. I know I feel like that sometimes. Usually on Monday mornings. And then again on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. But anyway, the John, um, so John is going to come with us to Shaftesbury, but who's going to take John? And I scratched around and tried to find some people uh, that might be able to take John. And lo and behold, nobody could. And there were various excuses and all of them were great. And uh, so I couldn't legitimately offload John, though I did try. Then God spoke to me. Now, when God speaks to you in these moments, it's quite challenging. God just said to me, why don't you take him? So I gave God a few excuses of my own. And I told him why I couldn't take him. I've got three kids in the car. It's kind of inappropriate. And, um, but there's a space in my car. God said, you take him. You've got a space in your car. I said, okay, I'll take him. I'll do it then. And so I did. And we had a, we had a good trip down. It was okay, actually. It was good. And right across the weekend... God just uh, knitted in, in amongst the rest of the body. And it was great to see. We went on a walk one day, um, Saturday afternoon. And loads of us went, most of us went. And uh, John came with us. And it was great to see how this, suddenly this group of people was all looking out for one another and looking out for John. I said, praise God, this is great. And so right across that weekend, God began to do something, not just in my heart, but I believe in the heart of the church, actually, in terms of how do we look after the one that's difficult to look after. Anyway, it came time to go home, and uh, I thought, well, I had to go a bit out of my way. I had to go to Dorking to pick a bike up for my brother-in-law. And so I said to John, look, John, I've got to go to Dorking. Uh, my girls are going to go back with uh, Kate. Um, I suggest now that perhaps you go home with um, you know, another couple uh, because this is going to make the journey quite a bit longer. Oh, no, he said. No, no, he said, no, he said, I, I, I'm not in any great rush. I'd love to come with you. And I smiled my best Christian smile. And I said to him, I'd be so delighted to have you with me in the journey. And God just broke my heart for this guy because no one loves him, including me. And I just feel that we need to have, if our Christianity is going to be real, then we need to be able to love the unlovely, to love the difficult ones. The thing is with loving someone like John is it's not just one weekend. It's a lifetime. And that's what we're called to. Otherwise, our Christianity is very convenient and far too easy for us. Anyway, you should have found one John. And if you haven't, then uh, we're in trouble. You don't know your Bible. Is it um, AI?
got loads of time. Come on, get a grip. Right, kidding. 1 John. Let's just read a few verses uh, from the beginning of 1 John. For just the first seven verses. Remember, John was a disciple, described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was intimate with Jesus, okay? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifest and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. First thing I just want to say here from the scripture is this. God himself is a community. And the, the, the fullness of the expression of that community is oneness. God's three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The expression that, that, that we, we know and understand and believe as, God, um, uh, uh, as Christians of who God truly is, is God is three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet he is also one. Why? Because God does unity and community. And God expresses it and he calls us into his likeness. And what John does here is he says, we, we got to know Jesus. We experienced him and the reality of him. And now we're sharing it with you so that you can also experience the reality of him. Okay? But it doesn't just stop there. Because it's not just about that we have an encounter with God. He says that encounter also means that it leads us into an encounter with one another. Because he says, we, we're sharing this with you so that you may have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. See, the two are not mutually exclusive. You can't have a little holy club with God on your own. You, what you have to have is, you have to have, uh, if you're going to experience and know God truly, then the, then the beautiful flip side of that is, is a community, is a fellowshipping with one another. Isolated Christianity, safe middle-class Christianity, tends to isolate us and leave us in a place where we, where we believe we have fellowship with God. And we get a taste for God, but there's little fellowship with one another. Not enough. And what I'm... What I feel burdened with is that if we're going to truly have fellowship with God, we've got to have fellowship with one another. And we've got to be prepared, therefore, to, 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 to love in a way that's difficult and challenging. Because Christianity is that. This is not the easy choice. 
This is not the easy option, hanging about with people that I just like. Okay? Because some of you are very, very nice and easy to get on with, and then there are others that aren't, but we won't mention who they are. <laughs> and that because the reality is, see, it's easy to, to, to love the lovely. I, I, there are others that you know, I come across in my day-to-day walk and have come across. I, I helped uh, another chap. Let's call him John as well. Okay, fall down drunk, and uh, on a number of occasions I had to clean his flat out. Absolutely stank. Now dealing with people's own excrement and rubbish is not what I signed up for. God, God loves this man. And we're family. <laughs> Sometimes if people are going to be broken and they're not easily mended. And if we're in it for the quick fix, oh, well, it didn't work. Um, sorry, can't help you anymore. Well, I'm not sure that's the right approach. I want to talk uh, just briefly about a community of mercy. We rightly make much of the doctrine of grace. And I love grace. If we're not careful, we miss the doctrine of mercy as a result. Because grace is a lot about what I receive through God. Okay? And again, that appeals to my very westernized Christianity. That God can equip me through his grace. That God, you know, has forgiven me through his grace. That God is for me because of his grace. Now all that is true and it's great and God does equip us through his grace. But, there is, but the gospel, the actual gospel, is much about mercy. I looked it up actually. I thought this would be interesting. I just looked in the gospels alone. Grace is mentioned four times in the gospels. Mercy is mentioned about 20 plus. Interesting, isn't it? Because that surprised me and I went, maybe I've just got a slight misplacement of an emphasis here. Mercy. Desires mercy rather than sacrifice. When Jesus taught his... uh, Somebody's phone going off. When Jesus... He challenged the, uh, the religious leaders of the day, and he said, go away and learn this. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then later on, he, he challenged them because they hadn't learnt it. And the essence of the gospel is mercy, that God... See, I believe mercy is the channel for grace, You see, mercy is is actually a mix of of compassion and love. It's it's a mix which says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's the mercy of God which makes a channel for the grace of God. 
And, and so Jesus modeled and taught mercy. He showed it in, in the miracles that he did. Just take someone like blind Bartimaeus as a full example. Blind Bartimaeus is known as blind. I, I grew up thinking blind Bartimaeus, that that was his name. No, I did. Sunday school, I thought he was, he, well, I didn't think his name was blind, but I thought his name was Bartimaeus. But he isn't. Bartimaeus means this. Bar means son, Timaeus. Son of Timaeus. This guy was not even known by his name. He was only known as blind Bartimaeus. Lowest of the low, bottom rung. He cries out to God from the crowd and says, Son of God, have mercy on me. The people say, shh, quiet down. The, The good middle class people say, shut up. We need to hear Jesus, someone special here, quieting down. Son of David, all the louder, have mercy on me. From the bottom rung of life, from the lowest point. This friend of mine, the fall down drunk guy, used to have a phrase. He said, Paul, I look down on people from the gutter. Because we're all capable of that, you see. We've got someone that we look down on. This guy's at the bottom rung. Jesus calls him forward through the crowd. The crowd change their tune, as they do very rapidly. Oh, he's calling you. Oh, well, come through. He restores his sight, and in that very moment, he restores his dignity. He restores him as a person. He restores his name. He's no longer blind Bartimaeus, who is disregarded and left at the side of the road. Why? Because mercy pushed past the middle class claptrap and got to the person. Got to the living person. Made in the image of God. One of God's sons who Jesus came to save. We would rather ignore blind Bartimaeus, frankly, if he turned up on Sunday morning. We would. He probably was smelly. It wasn't his fault. Mate, it wasn't his fault. I agree with you. It wasn't his fault. Jesus talked more of mercy than he did of grace. I want us to uh, just turn to Luke chapter 6. Is everybody okay? You're still awake. Excellent. Good. If it's a bit sharp, tough. Right. <laughs> God sometimes just does get his sharp pointy stick out and just kind of pricks our conscience. <laughs> he does with me. So why shouldn't he with you as well? I just want to read a verse from Luke chapter 6, which you will know well if you've uh, been around the block a few times like I have. Uh, verse 38 of Luke chapter 6. It comes in the discourse. It's like the uh, Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, which we find uh, another version of in, in the beginning of Matthew. In verse 38 of Luke 6 says this, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured Back to you. I want this morning just to reclaim this verse for its proper purpose. 
This verse has been much abused in the name of uh, basically meeting your own needs. That, that, that in order to be prosperous in life, what you do is you give in order to receive back. And the measure with which you give is the measure with which you will receive back. I've heard it taught. Not here necessarily, but I've heard it taught. That actually we, you know, if we give and we're generous. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I think there can be a legitimate use perhaps of this scripture in, in that way. But let us not forget its primary context right here. He is not talking about giving money in order to receive money back. He's not talking about getting prosperous for the sake of the gospel. What he is talking about is giving mercy. The whole context of this scripture is mercy. And if we back up a little bit, which is what I intend to do now, we'll see it. So we're going to start in verse 27 of Luke 6. And if you've ever tried to live this, if you've ever even attempted this, you will know that being a Christian is not the easy option. I say to you who hear... I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. I had a conversation with a little lad this morning. He's getting bullied at school. And I said to him, you know what? You've got a wonderful opportunity to love your enemy right now. I said, it's going to be difficult. But God can help you. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. I have trouble loving people in church. This is not people in church right now, okay? To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. When's the last time you uh, gave something to someone without actually requiring anything in return, i.e. repayment in some form or other. I'll give to this one because actually I know I'll get it back. It's a safe bet. Anyway, it's just a thought. <laughs> and just as, you want men to like, um, just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Awesome. Really 
truly awesome. I want to suggest to you that if we could get a church that lived this, that is going to be one radical place. I have to tell you another story now, and I don't want this to, again, be a story that just leaves us feeling condemned, but hopefully just leaves us feeling challenged. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> yesterday, I helped uh, Matt and Eloise move house. They live up in, well, they were living up in Kingsthorpe, just around the corner from where my grandma used to live, actually. And this is the third time that I've moved Matt and Eloise in the space of about 12 months. They're not in at the moment, so I'm okay. And uh, I said to him, jokingly, uh, yesterday, if you move again in six months, or within six months, don't call me. I'm busy. I don't come to Kingdom Life Church uh, these days. I run Forefront Church. Uh, I do get invited here. It might be the last time, but I do get invited here from time to time. (laughs) Yep. That is... It came from your direction. That there... (laughs) Bless you, mate. He's waffling on. I'm sorry. I do waffle on. There's a point to my waffling. The point is this, apart from me and two French guys, who I've never met before, there wasn't anybody else helping to move Matt and Eloise. Now I just challenge you with that because there's a lot of folks in this church. Now we can say that in one sense, well, I, oh, I didn't know they were moving house. It's your job to know. It's your business to know. Now that's one of the things about community. It's my business to know, it's my business to care, and it's my business to do something about it. The problem is when we get larger is we think someone else is doing it. (laughs) Or someone else will help. And I know it's not easy, and I'm not saying it to condemn, I'm just saying it to, to, uh, to convict, to challenge you, to say, guys, that we can do more. We can be better than that. It, it, it says here that, uh, that actually even sinners love their own. Well, please, let us start with loving our own. Let's start there. And that would be a good start. And then let's go beyond to the other places that God would take us, to the, to the people, to the unlovely. Because <laughs> if we have a hard time... And Matt and Eloise are lovely people. We have a hard time loving them. We're going to have a real hard time when we get beyond them to the people that are going to challenge the very limits of grace and mercy that you possess. Because I can tell you, one of the things for me is that I've run out. I've been dealing with some people. I think, God, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. I've had enough of this person. (laughs) You know, I'm fed up with picking up the mess. It's somebody else's turn. I've got a problem. God is relentless. And he just doesn't give up on people. I have a real problem. (laughs) He just goes again and again and again. Some people, the poor you will have with you always. If they're not going to change, they're not going to change. Does that mean we stop helping them? 
I know there's a limit to our resources and our time. You know, the challenge here is how do we be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to know what, what it is that he wants us to do? Mercy sees a person, not a problem. Sees a person, sees someone made in the image of God. They, they may be very broken. They may be spitting at you and throwing it back at you, but they're still a person made in the image of God. And challenges to love them. Mercy doesn't have any limits or boundaries. God, um, God says, and this scripture picks it up, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. I find that difficult. I'd rather he judged them. Wouldn't you? Show them, you know, the error of their ways. God has a business of, he's, he's kind to the ungrateful and evil. That doesn't compute in my form of Christianity. You get what you deserve. Oh, God wrote the book, not me. Let me just challenge you with something else. The, commu- the, the, the church needs, I'm, I, this is going to be my last point, so don't worry. I know you're getting tired. Do you want your coffee or your bed or your lunch or something? Anyway, <laughs> Psalm 31. Now, I'm not on that today. Maybe next time. I'll go and check it out. I want to just read to you another quote from here, page uh, 159, if I can find it. The church needs to become a community of good works. Okay? The church needs to become a community of good works. And your job is to do them. Okay? The church becomes... <clears throat> this is one of the dangers in church life and middle-class Christianity. The church becomes a distribution center. A place where the poor come to get stuff and the rich come to dump stuff. Ouch. <laughs> oh, I read that and I said, this guy's a heretic. I'm not reading anymore. <laughs> Oh dear. That's why I say I'm getting Brian a copy. Just uh, He can suffer it like I am. Weeping into his pillow at night. I feel better when someone else is suffering with me, don't you? Makes it easier. <laughs> We're going to be miserable. Let's be miserable together. Amen. The problem with this is that there is a disconnect... When this happens, there's a disconnect between us and the people, or other people, let's say. It's, it's that we can, we can give, we've given to the Philippines this morning. The problem with, with it, in one sense, is that that can be all we do. And, and, and it's, it's at a safe distance, I can give uh, my money, and I can walk away from the problem, and I can walk away from the person. And, and I think there's a better way to give. I think we need to do that, but I think there are other things we need to give too. And we need to give of ourselves. And we need to find ways in which we connect with real people with real problems, the real poor. Because when we do, it will push us to our limits and it will cause us to discover God in a whole new way. I believe. The problem with giving in this way where we come and dump our stuff is that uh, there's no engagement and both can walk away unchanged. 
And that, that's not the gospel. The gospel changes people. We need uh, to do the works of God. And uh, I'm just as one last scripture I'm going to read to you from James chapter 2. Um, really, I want to read from verse 14, but I, I'm just going to sh- uh, remind you of verse 13. It says this, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James is writing about how we go about treating people in our midst, actually. And he says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy I remember years ago, and this is not, uh, again, a, a thing for condemnation. I remember years ago, Alison will remember this, um, when I was a young, enthusiastic Christian, <laughs> uh, once, yeah, now I'm old and enthusiastic, once I, um, I went out with a couple of friends of mine, Phil Houston, actually, some of you will know Phil, uh, another guy called Justin Sis me, and uh, we went out to the bars one night at the pubs on the Wellingborough Road to evangelize people because we thought that would be a good thing to do. How wrong I was. Anyway, we, uh, it was a very interesting evening, let's just say that. At the end of the evening, I got down to uh, the back of All Saints, and it used to be Midland Bank there, it's Nando's or something now. There was a man sitting on a park bench who was clearly a down and out. And I sat talking to him for 10 minutes or so and invited him to church the, the following day. And I picked him up in my car, uh, wound the window down, because <laughs> he had to. And uh, I'm serious. <laughs> and we turned up at church. And, and Alison came to me and she said, Paul, I don't think we're ready for this. And I agree with her, because I don't think we were. <laughs> but we need to be, don't we? We do need to be. Um, James just says here, let's read from verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Rhetorical question. No, it can't. Not that kind of faith. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. I love James, he's brilliant. He's so sarcastic. <laughs> Filled. But, but you do not give them the things which are needed for, for their body. What does it profit? I can almost hear the frustration in his voice. <laughs> what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? That's a great statement. Our works actually perfect our faith. 
They are the pinnacle of our faith. When they come out of a place of deep-seated mercy and love for people. See, if we just go about works for the wrong reasons, to look good, for self-righteous sakes, uh, for gu- out of guilt, and I don't wish anyone here to start trying to do stuff out of a sense of guilt, oh, I better do what he says. No, you need to fall deeply in love with Jesus. You need to understand afresh the mercy and the grace of God. Out of that place, out of a a, a spirit-filled place, God can lead you in great mercy towards other people. And it starts in the house of God. But it must also go beyond here. I have just a few questions to leave with you in closing. Are you part of a community or an attendee? (laughs) Amen. I agree with you. (laughs) Amen. And we have him as our example. Absolutely. And we need to live, we need to follow it. He's okay. He's all right, guys. He's all right. Bless you, mate. Yeah. The challenge I want to leave with you is, is. The challenge to build relationship, to get closer to God, to get closer to one another, okay? Uh, I'll leave you another challenge. Find a need and meet it. And, and, and in that, find a person, okay? And fall in love with them. It's the best way. Because it will get you through the difficult times. Let's stand together. We're going to pray. I know it's been challenging this morning. It was meant to be. Good. Bless you guys. It's good to be here. Thank you. I, I say this, and, and, and not to uh, thank you for that applause. I really, honestly, I appreciate it. It's sometimes hard to um, preach, uh, it's a challenge. The best way to thank me is to live it. Yeah, that's the best way. And, and, I, and I do appreciate the applause as well. And the affection in this place, the genuineness of the love for God. I hope this spurs you on to greater things because that is what God is calling us to. It's deeply challenging in this life to try and... Keep body and soul together, look after family, and do all the things that need to be done, and yet rise to the challenge of this. It's not the easy option, I know that, okay? And, uh, but just in small ways, we can make big changes, actually. We can make a big difference. Let's just not become hardened to the world around us, but uh, let's let God's love and mercy touch our hearts afresh. And that's what I want to pray for now. So let's just uh, close our eyes and open our hearts. Lord Jesus, full of mercy. God, forgive us for our own hard-heartedness and lack of love and grace at times. Lord, forgive us. Lord, especially when it's towards our own. God, pour on us an abundance of grace. Forgive us. Lord, deliver us from any kind of guilt. Lord, may we celebrate being sons and daughters of the living God afresh. 
Lord, we have been made anew. And God, we have a wonderful message for a world that's broken, that knows nothing of these things. And the church has tended to teach only judgment. Many people are wandering about feeling guilty and hurt by the church. God, we pray for opportunity to transform our nation with the love and the mercy of God in a fresh way. Lord, touch our hearts afresh. And God, compel us to, to reach others. Lord, as we have a deep fellowship with you as well, I pray for a deep fellowship with one another. We'd know one another's hurts. We'd understand one another's needs. We would seek to love on one another. Lord, not just be nice to each other. God, deliver us from nice, safe Christianity. Lord, take us into your purposes. Amen. Amen. Be a blessing to one another.